0: Nation, welcome into Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Cleveland Cavaliers in their first game after the All Star break. Final score 115 109. I got the better production on this side of things now. Got my friend Michael in the background. Thank you so much for helping me out today, man. It's been uh, like, we're going to get this going. We're going to get this uh, fully engaged and locked in and ready to go as as we uh, are in the post-All-Star break time, and we're going to be locked in for the playoffs. I'm, I'm really excited about what's to come. There's no cursing at the beginning of this podcast this time. So apologies if you enjoyed that, but uh, we're, we're going to try to avoid that going forward. Uh, Before this Nuggets uh, game, this was a really great one. This was a, a very interesting game to watch. As the Nuggets for uh, they were forced to really lock in on the defensive end because Cleveland was kind of scoring and doing whatever they wanted in that first half. They scored forty points in the paint in the first half alone. I'm, I'm not sure where exactly they finished with, but the one saving grace for the Nuggets in this one was that they had the shooters and the Cavs did not. You would think that wouldn't be the case because uh, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, those guys are lights out most of the time, but Coming out of the All-Star break, not necessarily surprised that things got weird. I, I sort of made that uh, as, as something that Nuggets fans, I think, could uh, could look forward to in this one. Things were going to get weird at the end of the All-Star, or at the end of the, the first half and the beginning of the second half in this game, uh, but I am glad to see that the Nuggets were able to get this one. Uh, what's up, Fernando? Uh, really excited to get this win on the road. Uh, got 5555-ish here saying first. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm really happy to have the chat bumping. We're going to keep this going. Have a good time with it. Uh, what's up, CT? Really appreciate you hopping in. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the second half and everything that's to come in this season. I think that, look, Denver's played 60 games now. They're 42-18. and 18. They've got the magic numbers. I'll make sure to get those all out in that third segment, as we usually do. Uh, but for now, let's focus in on Nikola Jokic. Let's focus in on the triple-double man himself, who, uh, just look at the numbers on the bottom of the screen. Good Lord. It is a crazy thing to watch Nikola Jokic sometimes. This dude, I didn't think that he had a good game. And, and people are going to wonder, they're going to look at the numbers, and especially if they, they didn't see this live, they're going to think, wow, what what in the world? How can you possibly say that, Ryan? I thought his decision-making was off. I thought that there were some some moments where like he had seven turnovers. And it's not even just about the turnovers. It's about choosing when to shoot, choosing when to pass. And I thought that he didn't necessarily strike that balance as much as he probably should have tonight. But like I thought that this could have been a night where he went for 40 if he wanted to. But he's not that kind of guy a lot of the time, and, and especially coming out of the All-Star break. He's going to default to trying to get everybody else involved, getting everybody else going in the right direction and making sure that this team uh, is humming and, and the offense is humming the way that it can. Uh, also, it was Jamal Murray's birthday today, so I'm not surprised that Murray had 19 shots and, and, and Jokic only had 13. So there are going to be some, some factors here. But overall, you look at the numbers, you look at it and think, OK. 24, 18, 13, two steals, seven turnovers. Kind of an average game for Jokic. Kind of an average one at this point because of the the crazy stuff that he does on a consistent basis. was a plus 14 tonight and what ultimately became a six-point win. Uh, That margin is a really big difference maker. He came into the game uh, in the fourth quarter with about nine minutes left to go, just a little bit earlier than Michael Malone usually likes to put him in. But given the way that the bench had been playing, We'll talk about them in the second segment a little bit more. I'm not surprised that Michael Malone went to Jokic, and it was a great decision. It gave Denver the momentum that they needed in order to force Cleveland into some tough possessions and making sure that Denver got some easy runouts. Uh, The thumbnail that you see of Bruce Brown dunking, that was off of a Reggie Jackson alley-oop caused by Jokic right when he came back into that uh, game in the fourth quarter, A, a nice deflection that he picked up. So it is all connected. And what Jokic does kind of in a, in a holistic way with the, the scoring that he has, shooting efficiently when he needs to, the two of two from three, I think both of those came in the second half. Those were clutch threes. Those were shots that uh, later in the shot clock, Denver needed a bucket. One of those was a little bit deeper than just like right behind the line. And you need a guy who just makes a shot. And Denver had the shot makers tonight, and I don't think that Cleveland did. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you had Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I think they combined for three of 13, if I'm not mistaken, from behind the three-point line. Jokic and Murray. Uh, Murray, not as much. He he wasn't as efficient today, but uh, Jokic goes two of two. MPJ goes six of 10. KCP goes four of four. Having those guys in your starting lineup just raining down hellfire, that is absolutely going to help. And it, it made things easy for this Nuggets team. So I'm glad that they were able to do it. It makes a lot of sense the way that they played. And it makes a lot of sense the way that Jokic played too, where he had the 13 assists. He's trying to pass those shooters open. And when you've got guys like that, that shoot the way that they do, going to make it super, super easy. Uh, Ted, I see you. Uh, that backdoor to Uncle Jeff on the baseline to the reverse jam was tasty. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like It was a great pass and it was the right timing. and And it's one of the reasons why Jeff is still a trusted veteran and we'll we'll talk about him a little bit in the second segment, too. But those were good minutes. And they were minutes where the starters and the bench kind of overlapped. And that's one of those things that you kind of take for granted with Jokic. Because it is an easy read that he makes all the time. 100% of the time. Never misses it. And he's just he spoils everybody, you know. Let's now go to Michael Porter, who I think deserves a ton of credit here. He deserves a ton of credit for... What he did tonight and and just kind of coming out of the break. Sometimes you don't have uh, the the rhythm, the the ability to shoot the way that you need to shoot in, in this particular time. Porter never lost that. He went into the break shooting hot and he came out of the break shooting hot. The dude was absolutely essential for this Nuggets team. Murray didn't have the efficiency today. Porter stepped up in his place. Eight of, eight of 14 from the field. Six of 10 from three. Five of those threes, I'm pretty sure, came in the second half. Uh, it might have been four, but I, I know it was at least four. Three of three from the line. Six rebounds, one block, one turnover. He was credited with that block a little bit later. And I'm not surprised that that they got it to him, but that was a really, really big block where fourth quarter comes in, like you have to really lock in. And Michael Porter was a part of that. He was helping out as kind of a helper not necessarily guarding Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell all the time, but he was roaming. He was playing off of a guy like Isaiah Coro, or not Isaiah, Isaac Koro, excuse me. Um, and he played off of him, roamed off of him a little bit, got into his airspace. And then there was one possession where it was either Allen or Mobley that he had the block on where he's helping from behind those guys. And you start to realize, man, Porter's athleticism coming back he's still super tall. He's as tall as a guy like Evan Mobley, as tall as a guy like Jared Allen because he's able to help out in those moments. Denver was able to be a little bit better on their interior defense when the when the going got tough down the stretch and that's really a that's really a story for the Nuggets team. They have the second-ranked clutch defense in the entire NBA, and that's an insane thing to say based off of a team that has Jokic and Michael Porter. But those guys do lock in in those moments, and they use their length and their size and their ability to read the court. And I think that Porter's really starting to figure that out, too. But it was the clutch shooting, really. It was the ability to hit the shots that Denver needed the most. He did it over and over and over again. Took a Even took a step back in that left corner that just rimmed out. But the dude is just, he is finding his own rhythm once again. And it is lining up exactly with what the Nuggets need from him, where they don't need him to be dribbling a whole heck of a lot. They need him to be able to attack closeouts, which he did tonight. He got to the free throw line three times, almost exclusively because of his ability to, like I know that one of those was off of a closeout against Devin Mobley, who obviously tried to run him off the three-point line and uh, bumped him on his way by. Uh, Porter, his ability to close out and or his uh, to drive a closeout And get to the rim, very important. He finished really well tonight. But most importantly, six threes, that's hard to coach, especially at 6'10". The dude is incredible and continues to play exactly the way the Nuggets need him to play. It's been fantastic to see. Uh, Yeah, Robert says, one of his threes from the left corner absolutely demoralized the Cavs. I think it was the one where Donovan Mitchell was right in his grill. And that was one of the reasons why he was open for 10 threes tonight. Donovan Mitchell was the guy who was guarding Porter for a lot of the evening. And rather than try to post him up, rather than try to uh, make it so that Mitchell was on the interior a lot of the time, they had Porter in those corners and on the wing. And every time, Mitchell is still 6'1", 6'2". So he's not going to be able to close out to 6'10 Michael Porter Jr.'s tall release. And, And Porter really took advantage of that. And it's just one of those things that you see with him. He continues to like it, it's never a bother how close a guy is to him. He is always going to take that shot, and as he should, because it draws the defense so far away from their help. And I you just absolutely love to see it. Mike, 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 absolutely. No, this is uh we're we're in a good we're in a good place with Michael Porter. He is he is officially like a part of this group, and, and that's been the one like mostly rewarding thing for Mike this season. Uh, I know that, that he's he's dealt with some really stressful uh, personal issues, uh, not not per, like with his brother, but like he is a part of this group now. And, and I don't know if it was that event or anything else, but he's just firmly uh, invested himself into what this Nuggets team has needed from him. And he has absolutely delivered every single time. They have never had to question what his effort is like. They've never had to question where his mind is at. And he has delivered, never made a peep about being unhappy. And it takes a lot of special uh, mental fortitude to be able to do that. And and I've just been very, very impressed with Michael Porter Jr. All right. KCP, another guy that you have to be impressed with. I mean, not going to spend as much time on KCP, but 17 points, perfect shooting. Now, don't even have to really worry about it. six of six, four of four from three. I think he made one free throw, credited with three steals and two blocks. I know that uh, a couple of the blocks that he does get, he's not like challenging the shot. It's the strip steals that they, when he, when somebody else is shooting, he strips the ball, uh, clamps down on, on whatever the, the drive is and, and just absolutely uh, is a menace when, when he, when somebody's driving or if it's even on the perimeter. Uh, it has been fantastic to have KCP on the Nuggets. Like, the dude is an absolute machine. And 4-4 four, four from the line tonight makes a lot of sense. Three steals, two blocks. It's just, uh, like, it's, it's easy. It's easy to plug him into pretty much any lineup and for that lineup to succeed. It's why Michael, Michael, it's why Michael Malone, excuse me while I stutter. Uh, it is why Michael Malone trusts him to stagger with the second unit. He staggered in place of Christian Brown. I'll talk about that lineup a little bit more in just a bit. But he staggered in with that group, and it just makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense for him to be out there playing good ball-hawking defense, making things difficult both in passing lanes, but also uh, hitting the shots that come to him. And he just has done such a great job of everything of late. So, I mean, great box line. It has been been fantastic to watch KCP. Um, Jamal Murray uh first of all happy birthday to Jamal. uh february twenty third he turns twenty six I just turned twenty six back in december Jamal and I are relatively like not I mean, not lie on camera we're we're kind of close like we 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 have a relationship and uh I think that I'm connected to jamal in a lot of different ways and and just i know how important this game was to him because of the last time he came to Cleveland where he was, he had 50 points, 21 of 25 from the field, zero free throws, was just absolutely on fire. That was probably the best game he's ever played in his entire life. And it's not a surprise that he wanted to go out. I thought that he was pressing in this game. I thought he looked a little bit rusty. He had missed the final five or six games right before the All-Star break due to knee inflammation. So I'm not really surprised that this kind of happened the way that it did. But uh, six of 19 from the field. It's a, it was a bad shooting performance for Jamal. Denver still managed to put up 115 because the Nuggets offense is freaking nuts. Uh, but he had nine assists and two turnovers and was a plus 13. He did contribute positively in other ways. Had a couple steals on defense. Wasn't necessarily his best defensive game, but he was one of the reasons why uh, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, guys like that didn't necessarily shoot as well from three as they probably could have. But uh, in the end, uh, it's just important for Jamal to find ways to contribute on a consistent basis that don't just involve scoring. And he only had one rebound tonight. That's probably got to improve. The two steals are great. The nine assists to two turnovers line is great. But uh, he will, like, he'll he'll get back into a better rhythm shooting wise. I thought that his athleticism his athleticism looked pretty good in general, just flying around out there didn't necessarily make the shots and, and went to the went to the basket a lot and tried to challenge guys like uh, Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen at the rim. And sometimes that's just not a good idea, and he should probably be settling for the jumper just a little bit more. But in general, you like the confidence. That's, that's probably the most important thing with him. If he is attacking guys like that with as much confidence as he is, imagine when he's attacking, I don't know, Xavier Tillman uh, next game. When – uh, he's he's playing up against the the Memphis Grizzlies. So Jaron Jackson is another guy that you probably don't want to challenge. So we'll see how that goes and, and what he looks like going forward. But I think it's he's a, just another guy that kind of has to kick off rust here after the All Star break. So not really surprised that this is the way that it went, but not really worried either. Um, well, let's finally go. Flacco Chanchar, very role player s game from Flacco. There were a lot of things working with those starters, not necessarily. Vlaco as involved. Uh, he did make some plays. There were definitely some moments where you, you liked what you saw from him. He was probably the main culprit, if I'm pointing fingers, at why Evan Mobley got going in general. Thought there were times where Evan Mobley went right at Vlaco and, and really won that matchup. I do think, though, that there were times where Jokic was the main culprit against Evan Mobley. and There were a lot of times where Mobley pick and popped over Jokic where he got to the, the dotted line and then really uh, found that floater zone and also just outworked Jokic and, and uh, uh, Flacco at times and Michael Porter at times for rebounds and positioning on the interior. So, like, look, it, it happens. Uh, Evan Mobley had a really superstar-esque game tonight, and that is great. And Flacco's probably got to be better in general. But I also think that is going to be a really good fit with the second unit because they need somebody who's going to space the floor a little bit better than Jeff Green. Even though I thought Jeff really recovered with some nice moments in the second half tonight. Uh, but yeah, Vlatko, he will continue to help. Uh, was a plus nine. Wasn't exactly like, like, he wasn't hurting the team or anything like that. And hit a nice three at the beginning of the game too. That's all you got to see. Like, I, I just would like to see Denver get fully healthy so that we could see what his role looks like with the second unit. Or if Jeff Green just continues to play with the second unit, because I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Jeff continues to score the way that he's scoring. Wouldn't be surprised if they try that. But either way, you know, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, we're going to discuss the bench lineup and everything. That that'll be that'll be spectacular on Reggie Jackson's debut. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the, computer, uh, behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So down to the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. This is superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. And we're back. Pickaxe and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast folks it's awesome to be able to do this on youtube it's awesome to be able to to keep doing it on apple and and all the the, uh, podcast platforms and everything like that so if you're on there on the audio version of things make sure to go give this a rating review subscribe on that side of things i'd like to get up to 200 ratings on the apple side of things and just because that really helps show the growth of it and, and making sure that there are always constantly reviews there And if you can, uh, positive likes and comments and and subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's always a great thing as well. There's a lot of great content on that side of things. So thank you so much if you do. All right. First half bench lineup for the Nuggets was different from the second half bench lineup. I do think that this is going to be a very interesting thing going forward for this Nuggets team and probably something that I am looking forward to most over the course of the next five to ten games. What is it going to look like going forward with the first half? What is it going to look like going forward with the second half? But this was Reggie Jackson's debut. This was what Nuggets fans really wanted to see. And it wasn't great up through the first half. That's that's for sure. Christian Brown was a minus eight in his, uh, I think, was he? You know what? Actually, I think he was like a minus six or a minus seven or something like that. And then he had a brief uh, defensive substitution in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, this was the lineup that Denver brought out there. Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Thomas Bryant. It was an all-bench lineup in that first half. And that's not a surprise if you've listened to the show, if you've, if you've heard and, and seen anything that I've said over the course of these past couple days. I thought that the Nuggets would go with the 10-man rotation. I thought that they would try to ease up on Jamal Murray's workload and even Jokic's workload if they can. But in general, just trying to work in Reggie Jackson, play him next to Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, making sure that all those guys get an opportunity to play together and try to build up as much chemistry and camaraderie as possible. It didn't work. And so Denver went to a second half lineup that featured KCP in place of the rookie, Christian Brown. And that that to me seems like a reasonable lineup as well. It's not like it's not my favorite uh, lineup in general that Denver could run out there. I think that Vlatko still probably needs to be out there in place of Jeff Green so that there's a little bit more connectivity with that group. Uh, CT3 also says, uh, I really dislike the three-guard lineup with Murray and the two guards, Reggie and Bruce at the three. It, it wasn't bad. It, it definitely it, it looks weird, and it looked weird when he brought that out there. That was the first rotation that Denver made, basically, at about the four-minute mark of the first quarter. They took out KCP and Michael Porter and replaced – and and Flacco-Chanchar and replaced those guys with Bruce Brown, Reggie Jackson, and Jeff Green so that Jamal and Jokic were still out there. But very odd lineup, very odd thing. I do think that they'll probably get away from that a little bit more it just, just as everybody gets kind of worked into gear and everybody sort of figures stuff out. But it's not a surprise that Michael Malone went to that group because to me, it seems like the pecking order for that bench unit is going to be Bruce Brown is your sixth man. But then Reggie Jackson and Jeff Green or whoever is that that next power forward, whether it's Jeff Green or Vlaco Chanchar, are going to be playing about 20 minutes a night if you can get to that point. And that, to me, is not surprising. That, to me, is Michael Malone trying to protect the minutes and the overall allocated stress levels for these guys during the second half of the year. Because, look, Memphis just lost. We'll talk about that next. But uh, Memphis just lost and Denver just won. And now the Nuggets have a five-game lead in the Western Conference right now. So I'm not really stressed about, like, trying to iron out the best possible rotation for the playoffs. I think that Denver just is – especially at this point, first game out of the All-Star break, you're just trying to get through it. You're just trying to find an opportunity to play as many guys as possible and hope that – and just hope that Denver's in a good place, uh, kind of going into games 65 to 70 to 75 and in those places. And then you kind of ramp down after that. But uh, in general, I do think that Denver's going to be okay. Let's talk about Reggie. Reggie in his debut, uh, I've seen other people say this too, but I'm going to reiterate it. It is really hard to come into a new team and play point guard. It's really hard when they've got their own sets that they've run, when they've got their own mannerisms and uh, uh, terminologies and things like that, for you to learn that on the fly and try to do that as quickly as possible without having major practices. Even though you've been there during the All-Star break, it's just you haven't had a lot of time to really connect with everybody. And this is just one of those things where I'm not surprised that it looked a little bit sloppy. I'm not surprised that Reggie in general just looked a little bit out of place in this general case. But look, this is his uh, fourth team, I'm pretty sure, in his entire 12-year career. He was with OKC. He was with Detroit. He was with the Clippers. And now he's in Denver. And so he's just – he's been – pretty steady with most of those teams for the majority of his career. So I'm not really surprised that it's taken, it will will take him a little bit to get adjusted to a new situation, but hopefully he gets up to speed relatively quickly. Some of the threes that he took, like there were a couple that were a little bit too difficult for my liking. One that he just, uh, he just missed, like it was an an open shot that he just missed and that's fine. But uh, in general, this was a really tough team to go up against in your debut. Uh, you're you're having to go up against uh, – like driving the lane against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and guys like that being guarded by Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert and some bigger dudes where you're just trying to really get into your sets and they're not letting you get into anything. So Denver's going to have to figure that out and they're going to have to do it on the fly. But the key shot that Reggie hit right at the end of the third quarter, a half-court buzzer beater, way beyond half-court actually. He caught the ball with about 1.5 seconds left. And rather than going into the field goal percentage savings club, uh, shout out to Rob Perez, he uh, he took the shot. He took the shot right before the end of the quarter, uh, right before the buzzer sounded. And for him to be able to hit that, it, first of all, him taking that says a lot about, like it, it will endear him to the Nuggets team. It will endear him to that group, so that he's not like trying to save anything. He's not trying to... Uh, preserve his three-point percentage or anything like that. But him being able to hit that, that was his only three. That was the only three that he hit. And it was a big shot because it took the lead from five to two uh, that, that Cleveland had at that point. And Denver was able to keep it close enough that when they brought Nikola Jokic back into the game, they were doing just fine. And then they got into a rhythm at that point. So really, really important for Reggie to play these minutes. I don't hate the fact that like he only played 18 tonight. I'd like for them to kind of force feed 18 to 20 minutes a game. I know it's going to be tough. I know it's for for a lot of people. They're like, okay, why why are you trying to do this? They've got a they have a like they've had a good thing going with Bruce Brown at point guard sometimes where he kind of staggers a little bit. Jamal Murray's obviously playing really well. I still think that Denver needs another guy. And they're Glad to get Reggie, obviously. He's a guy that everybody will be able to trust in this situation. But I do think that Reggie at this point is going to be super helpful for this Nuggets team. And I'm going to trust their decision-making on that. Michael Malone wants to play him that much? Fine. Keep going ahead. Keep trusting it. Trust in the process. Uh, hashtag Sixers. And uh, they'll be just fine. So let's go to Bruce Brown now. Sixth man. I think that Bruce and Christian Brown specifically really struggled in this one. I do not think that they knew what the hell to do. And that's going to be one of those growing pains. That's just going to be part of the process where Bruce is coming in and Reggie's coming in around that time. And when they're staggering with Jamal, uh, Jamal's kind of be, he's going to be the ball handler in those situations. And Bruce Brown is spotting up in one corner. Reggie Jackson spotting up in the other. And you're just trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? How is this going to work? And I'm not surprised that Bruce really struggled in this one. The floater is going to have to improve. Uh, That's one thing that really stands out. He missed two floaters tonight. He missed two threes tonight. He caught a lob from Reggie Jackson in transition. Those were his his shots tonight, as I recall. And I do think that the three fouls I have up there that are scrolling on the bottom of the screen – I think that he's got to be better in a lot of cases at defending guys like Garland and Mitchell. There were some good moments, and like he's part of the reason why. Again, they didn't go off from three or anything like that. But he's going to have to find his rhythm too. I don't think that he is like he's probably going to be the sixth man in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. It might be Reggie. It might be Reggie Jackson, and they might decide that that's the direction that they want to go on some nights. And maybe the best way for them to do it is to go. Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown, and not necessarily relying on Bruce. Uh, Denver's got to figure those things out because Bruce, even though he has been fantastic for much of this season, I wouldn't say fantastic, actually. i say he's been really good. He's been about what I expected for him to be, just kind of fitting in around what the Nuggets are already doing, and that's been great. The, I think the apple cart has been upset just a little bit with what his role is going to look like right now. He had been settling into kind of a backup point guard role at times, been settling into maybe a backup small forward role at times. Right now, he's playing backup shooting guard a lot of this time, and especially in that first half, and it didn't really go well. I don't think that he's done a great job of finding ways to get all the way to the rim. He's been settling for that floater just a little bit too much, and he's way better, in my opinion, when he drives the lane and just doesn't hesitate and pull up uh, from the from that floater zone. So hopefully you can get to that place where he's a little bit more comfortable there, but that would be something to monitor. Christian Brown, same thing. He only had eight minutes tonight, uh, only played in that first half for at least the majority of it played like 12 seconds of the second half. So I think that he's going to be on the outside looking in. You see the stat line that's going across the bottom here, zero shots, uh, one of two from the field, uh, from the free throw line. Two rebounds, one of those offensive. That's how he got his only point, was by getting to that free throw line off of an offensive rebound and putting up and getting fouled. So he's got to find ways to be impactful on that end. And there were moments where Donovan Mitchell sought him out, where Darius Garland sought him out, and they did not fear him. Uh, part of that is just because he's a rookie. Part of that is uh, I think that they like, and I think that Christian still has some ways to go in how he is defending in those situations understanding what certain guys are going to do. And for the most part this season, he's been great. But this is a place where he can really grow. He's going to have to re-earn his minutes again because a guy like Reggie Jackson deserves to play. He's going to want to play. He's going to probably be great in the playoffs. He's been great in the playoffs for a lot of his, his career up to date. So I think that Christian's going to have to earn it. He's going to have to find new ways to... Uh, just be aggressive around what Reggie Jackson and Bruce Brown are doing in the backcourt. And hopefully he can continue to find his niche. Because if he doesn't, he's probably going to be the guy that gets his minutes cut in the playoffs. And that would be would be unfortunate because he has had a great season to date. Jeff Green, 22 minutes, 11 points, uh, very kind of like good minutes, not necessarily the best minutes, but good minutes for Jeff Green. I think that those baseline, like the baseline cut that he had, he had a vertical cut from the wing. He's had a lot of good moments where he's playing next to Jokic and he's finding good opportunities to cut during those moments. Uh, with the second unit, he was the guy that was posting up, he was the guy that was ISOing at times. That's not his role, and it should never be his role. I think that he's trying, like, he's not, he's trying to step up and help calm the unit down, he's trying to find ways to contribute. Within the flow, it kind of reminds me of moments last year where he's just like. It's one of the reasons why the Jeff Green and Michael Green minutes didn't work. It's one of the reasons why uh, when when Denver was rolling out a bench that had Faku Kabazo, Austin Rivers, and uh, PJ Dozier, Jeff Green Jamichael Michael Green, Jeff was kind of the first option in a lot of those units at the very beginning of last season, and it was horrible. Uh, Not necessarily his fault, though. Like Nobody should be asking Jeff Green to be the first option. So he's going to have to find ways to be impactful. But I do think that 10 shots in 22 minutes is probably too many. I think that they're going to have to strike that balance. I think that Thomas Bryant, who only got three shots in this game, missed a couple mid-range jumpers, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, did get six rebounds, but also had two turnovers. Uh, Thomas Bryant's going to have to be that guy. I would want Thomas Bryant to be that guy to screen and roll uh, for the pick and roll guys to find ways to set up Thomas Bryant in the middle of the floor as opposed to relying on Jeff Green for isos and post-ups and things like that. I think that that's a more sustainable form of offense going forward. And to this point, I I don't think that Thomas Bryant has really fit in to what the bench unit has wanted to do. And that's not his fault. I don't think. I think that his role to this point has been to kind of stand and be in the baseline and and not necessarily get in the way and try to do his best as an offensive rebounder and maybe a late cutter and things like that, but nothing necessarily uh, sustainable, nothing necessarily that's called for him. Jeff Green has a lot of plays called for him right now. I'd like to see those go to Thomas Bryant, at least a larger proportion of them go to Thomas Bryant because and, and honestly, maybe it was a mismatch thing tonight. Maybe it was because Jeff Green had Dean Wade on him and Thomas Bryant had Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Maybe that was the reason. But I don't know if I necessarily even buy that reasoning because you want Thomas Bryant to be involved because he's one of the most efficient and effective bigs around the rim in the entire NBA. Like the dude is really good. So try to find ways to involve him just a little bit more. And hopefully that continues to improve as the season goes along. But we will see. I think that there's still a lot of growth for this for this team going forward. I think that they are going to have to figure out a lot of ways with this bench unit to just improve consistently going forward and try new things, make sure that they're in a good place. But in general, Denver's fine. This was a good win for them. This was a good position for them to be in, a good team for them to warm up against because uh, the Cavs are good. Like the Cavs have lost six total games at home, and now seven. Uh, I, I, maybe I have that flipped, but like I think that they are one of the top five teams in the entire NBA at home. So for Denver to come in there and be able to earn a win without Aaron Gordon, it's a really big deal. And for them to be able to do that consistently going forward, uh, you'd like to see them do that next against Memphis. So either way, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss. Uh, first impressions around the league, first impressions for this Nuggets team and what we've seen so far. After the All Star break, we will be right back. And we're back. Final segment, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Make sure to go click that like button if you can. All right. Let's wrap this up by going over just really briefly. I do this every time. The Nuggets have a 42-18 record. They're now 27-4 twenty-seven, at, 27 and four at home and 15-14 and on the road. So they are now positive on the road. It's, they're one of the only teams in the entire Western Conference that is positive on the road. And they are also 27-4 at home, which is the best record In the entire NBA, they are first place in the Western Conference, which uh, that's what everything is all about right now, and their magic numbers. Let me explain magic numbers again a little bit briefly. Magic numbers are the number of wins combined with the number of opponent losses that you need to clinch certain things in the playoff standings, in the playoff picture. So Denver, they only have to have a combined number of 13 wins and are. 13 wins and opponent losses uh, in order to get that number one or that number four seed in the Western Conference. They're going to be a top four seed. Denver, they have 22 more games. They could probably do this by themselves. They probably will do this by themselves, in, if I'm being honest. They're probably going to win at least 13 more games. They don't need any help, really, to get that. Uh, so that's guaranteed going to happen. And honestly, I'm if, if they win against Memphis on Saturday, I might call it a wrap for the one seed in general. Like, I think that they're in a really good spot. Right now, they have a magic number of 18 for that one seed. Denver is currently 42 and 18. Memphis is 35 and 23. They have five uh, more losses and seven fewer wins than Denver. So, basically, what this means, Memphis can get to a maximum of 59 wins now. That means that Denver, if they got to 60 wins, Uh, would guarantee that they would be at the top seed. That would even improve based off of Denver winning this next game because they'd get the tiebreaker, which adds an extra game to that magic number. So if Denver wins this next game over the Memphis Grizzlies, their magic number will drop from 18 to 15 because it means that Denver has a, they get a win, they get a Grizzlies loss, and they get the tiebreaker. So that's a really, really big game this next one upcoming for Denver. So if they win that, that's going to be great. All right. First impressions of the All-Star or after the post-All-Star break time for this Nuggets team. I'm excited for what's to come. I think that Denver, 17 threes tonight, putting themselves into a position where they didn't even need great process. They They got a little bit of it, especially down the stretch where they really locked in on the defensive end, really found good ways to generate good shots during the last final six minutes of the game or so, they made sure that they put themselves into a good position where 17 threes, it really helps. It just really, really helps. And six threes for Cleveland, in contrast, that's just one of those things where Denver's going to give themselves a major, major advantage if they are the best three-point shooting team in the league. Right now, they are from an efficiency standpoint. But finding more ways to shoot with volume and generate great shots on a consistent basis is always going to help them. Right now, Denver, they try to pressure the rim. Against Cleveland tonight, it was a little bit different because Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, they're they're obviously really good rim protectors, so you don't necessarily want to challenge them all the time. And Denver didn't. They took a fair fewer number of shots at the rim than they usually do in the shots in the paint that they normally do. And instead they shot from three and they shot from mid range and they got to the free throw line and things like that. And that was important. That was important for them to win. But if they are staying as efficient as they are going forward, I think that this is going to be one of those things. Oh man, I just realized that, uh, um, no, mind. Uh, no, they're, they're going to be in a good spot. They are, (sighs) sorry, Brazzle. I think that Michael Porter is going to have a really big second half run, and we're already into the second half, but we'll talk post-All-Star break run. I think that his first game here, it really said a lot to me about where his mind is at, where he is best at, and, and how he continues to put pressure on the oppo- on the opposing team by just playing great defense on the on the one end and then absolutely lighting it up from the perimeter on the other. He was shot ready. He was ready for on on the defensive end to go from defense to offense as quickly as he could. And for him to be able to put himself into a position to do that, that's going to make life so much easier for Jokic, for Murray, for Aaron Gordon when he's on the interior, when uh, KCP is shooting perfectly from the field. Like that's obviously going to help too. But to me, it just seems like Denver – They are going to get the best version of themselves if Michael Porter is shooting the way that he's shooting right now. That is going to just make things so much easier for everybody else. Um, I think that Jamal is eventually going to start staggering with the bench again. I'm not sure when it's going to be, but I think that the combination of Reggie Jackson and Jamal Murray can be really, really good. It can be really, really helpful. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit better, I think. Than the Bones Jamal duo, just because I think that Bones didn't necessarily know how to fit in around other ball dominant guys. And I think that Reggie does. I think that Reggie knows how to play next to Paul George. I think he knows how to play next to Kawhi Leonard. He's figured that out. Obviously, they decided that they didn't want to go with him. They thought that they were going to get an upgrade. They thought they were going to get with Eric Gordon. They've decided to go with Russell Westbrook. I don't think that's an upgrade personally. I think that Russell Westbrook is a really bad fit for that particular team, and Reggie Jackson was a much better fit for that particular team, and also just a really good dude and a really good guy in their locker room. So I'm not sure what the Clippers were thinking with uh, the particular point guard moves that they made, but I think that he's going to be really helpful, and I think that he's going to be somebody who is going to, like, it's just another threat. It's just another guy that you can trust in these moments, to run a pick-and-roll. I know it didn't look pretty tonight. And I know that Nuggets fans are going to overreact. But And I think that that's, that's funny because I have a first impressions post up here. But I do think that it'll take some time. But in general, this is going to be a good thing for the Nuggets. They're going to figure some things out. And I am excited about where they go from here on that. Uh, first impressions around the NBA. I think... At this stage, actually, we're just going to go to this right now. The Western Conference has no idea what they're doing. I think that this is as open of a Western Conference as we have ever seen, and it is not like like you could say that from the perspective of the Nuggets. Other teams have to look up at the Nuggets and think, okay, they're going to be there at the end. They're going to be there as a team that, uh, as long as they don't get hit with a, a horrible matchup in the first round, I think get shot luck to death by somebody like the Golden State Warriors. Denver's going to be there in the second and third round of the playoffs, and all these other teams have to think about them. I have no idea what to think of the Western Conference playoff picture from the Nuggets perspective, because I have no idea who's actually good. I have no idea which of these teams is actually going to step up. Watching the end of the Memphis-Philly game, you see all of these weaknesses with Memphis. Like They got out to such a great start in that game. They held Joel Embiid to 4 of 20 four of 20 through like the first 40 minutes of that game. And they could not close because they could not score. They just drove into nowhere. And John Morant, when he was faced with resistance at the rim, uh, looked very human. And I know that Denver's probably not going to have the same kind of resistance, but Jokic is still big. And Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, those guys are still going to be tall, athletic Lengthy defenders at the rim that a guy like John Morant, if he is driving into traffic, it's going to be hard for him and it's going to be hard for those guys to score as efficiently on a team like the Nuggets as they probably think that they can. Uh, Sacramento, they were losing for a while this morning or this evening to uh, Portland without all their guys. Now they they've ultimately pulled away here by the looks of things, but. I do think that they're a team that also you, you probably have to think about and think, okay, this is it's a little bit weird. A little little bit uh, like nobody's really trusting Sacramento at the top of the, of the Western Conference playoff picture. The Clippers, like I said, I don't know what they're going to look like with Russell Westbrook. I think that that's going to look a little weird, and Nuggets fans are going to be uh, perfectly happy if they see Russell Westbrook in the playoffs, if they see uh, – the L.A. Clippers in the playoffs with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a team that just can't really deal with Jokic at all. Can't really deal with Jamal Murray at all. That's that's another thing that's lost in this translation is that they just do not have a, a match for either of those guys. And the Nuggets have enough against their main stars that it's probably not going to matter. But you go down the list, Phoenix is going to be great, we think. We don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, Kevin Durant is going to make his debut here, or at least he's targeting his debut with the Phoenix Suns on March first, that's in another few days. It will take a little bit for them to get up to speed as well. Think about what Denver's got to deal with with Reggie Jackson. Uh, the Suns have to re like re realize their identity again. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant is going to be really difficult to figure out on the fly. Uh, that's going to be a problem for them, and that's going to be something that they have to think about. Now they're talented enough that they can get through it. They are talented enough to figure it out, but that team right now is thirty-two and twenty-eight. They have ten fewer losses or uh, ten fewer wins and ten more losses than the Nuggets right now. Are they that close? Are they an elite team? I don't know. I think that they have elite talent. We haven't seen it yet. We just haven't. And then Dallas, like I don't think that they're going to change anything with Kyrie and Luca. Minnesota, uh, I think they had a downgrade at point guard. For better vibes from uh, D'Angelo Russell to Mike Conley. I don't think that Mike Conley is going to help them out as much as everybody thinks he will because ultimately, like, they just they don't have enough going for them to go in the right direction. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, I, I just don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back either. And he just barely like, he hasn't played the entire year. So what's that going to look like? I have no idea. Uh, New Orleans, Zion, don't know when he's going to come back. Don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, Golden State. Steph Curry will eventually come back, and you assume that they will be great when he does come back, but you could also assume that they're probably about a 500 team right now. Is Steph going to change them from this version to an elite championship-level version by the end of the season? That's a really tall burden. To, that's, a, that's just a really tall burden. Uh, OKC, Utah, those teams are not threats. Uh, Portland is not a threat. The Lakers, if they do recover over the course of these next few games, we will see. I don't think that they're really a threat, but like they look better than they did before. So like, look, I, I just don't know who to trust in the West. I don't think the Nuggets are scared of anybody. I think they have to be at least wary of the Suns if they sort of figure some things out. But I don't think that this is going to be... I mean, okay, Tom, (laughs) I'm saying that like for the Nuggets, for Nuggets fans, like they are like Nuggets fans can say, yeah, this is wide open for us to take. This is wide open for the Nuggets to take, like for them to grasp a hold of what it is. Other teams are going to be like, okay, so it's the Nuggets and then everybody else. They may think that they have a chance against the Nuggets, but I think the Nuggets and, and Nuggets fans are like thinking like, who do we even who do we even trust to go up against? Who do we even think is going to put up much of a fight? I think it's the Suns, and I think that's it at this point. I don't really know who else. I don't really trust anybody else to get to that point. I think the Clippers probably. I think the Warriors probably. But you don't even know if you're going to face those teams. Those teams might be like eliminated by the time you actually have to face them. Like if the if the Clippers were eliminated by the Kings, would anybody be really surprised? Like. I think I think I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> not not at this point. I don't think that anybody is really fearing the Clippers, nor should they. Like it's been a long time since the Clippers have really really shown up. So we're gonna see. We're gonna have to figure it out. But uh, Warriors in round one would suck. Says be dunks. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We're we're gonna see. It would be an interesting matchup. I am not worried about but it. I, I think that if, if Denver ran up against the Warriors, I think it would be a lot of an opportunity to right a lot of wrongs and a lot of narratives that popped up from last year's series where Jamal Murray didn't play, Michael Porter didn't play, and you have three – like Denver didn't have KCP, Bruce Brown, or Christian Brown on the wing. They had Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, and uh, Bryn Forbes what are we doing? <laughs> what are we talking about? This is is a completely different West. Is a completely different Nuggets team. And I think everybody is still, it is still, everybody else is still trying to figure that out. I think Nuggets fans are a little bit ahead of the curve on this. But for anybody nationally that is questioning whether Jokic and Murray and Porter and the Nuggets can actually do it in the Western Conference, I feel like they should have to say, Who is going to beat the Nuggets? Like, who can actually do it? I think the Suns can do it. I think that the Clippers can do it. I I know Nuggets fans don't want to hear about that, but I think that they can. I'm not worried that they will. Uh, And the same with the Warriors. I think the Warriors can do it. I'm not worried that they will. Denver, at this point, is in a good place. They are trying to figure out exactly who they can be and what what they are. Best at over the course of these next few months, uh, but actually, no. They like they, they figured out. They they know who they are. It's just about refining that identity. It's just about figuring out exactly the right buttons buttons to push at the right time during a playoff series. And so we will see what that ultimately looks like. But folks, I got to tell you, I am I'm excited about, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you're you're catching that based off of that that being my. Uh, My default phrase when I'm on camera, I'm just so excited, just so excited about this Nuggets season. I think that the Nuggets are in a really great place to uh, lock up the one seed here relatively quickly. They can make a statement if they want to against the Memphis Grizzlies. They can make a statement if they want to against the Clippers on Sunday. I don't know if they're going to go for that. I think that they're probably going to rest that game. But even if they don't, uh, the Nuggets are in a great place And, and they are going to continue to put their pressure on the rest of the Western Conference to get to their level because nobody else is at their level right now. Nobody. Uh, Memphis, they do not have the juice. Uh, the Suns have not played together yet. The Mavericks do not have the defense. Uh, Kings, same thing. Clippers, don't think they have the spine yet. Uh, the Warriors, they uh, are still still drunk off of the championship last year. So, look, it is going to be fine Denver's going to do some great things, and I think the Nuggets fans are, are like, gotta gotta start gotta start playing it confidently, because some other team is going to have to come up and and really knock you off that pedestal. I think because the Nuggets, I, I don't think that they're leaving it anytime soon. But for now, folks, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Make sure to give it a like. Make sure to uh, hang out with me uh, in the next show. We will be going again on Saturday, I think. Uh, Really excited for uh, the upcoming shows. We'll have a Saturday show. We'll have a Sunday show. We're going to see what it looks like over the course of these next few weeks too. But those will be fun. Weekend shows. Make sure to stay up with me. We'll have a lot of fun with it gonna be exciting thank you so much everybody for tuning in appreciate all the love give it a like talk to you guys very soon